honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, cast on skillets, good and hot, watch it steam and crack and pop, cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our local foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was graciously sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee. We are just so proud of this talented 14-year-old musician. This morning, we're setting the table with Appalachian foods and a taste treat from New York City. This show consists of several guests who work hard to celebrate, elevate, and promote Appalachian foods, past and present. First, an interview with Peg and Sue, founders of Cowgirl Creamery. These people are the two behind the endowment for the Great Smoky Mountains Food Days, which celebrates food of the Great Smoky Mountains shaped by the mountains, climate, and people. It's taking place September 29th. Followed by reading from James Beard award-winning food writer Ronnie Lundy, who is also the keynote speaker at this second annual Great Smoky Mountain Food Days event. Our friend, food historian, and writer Fred Sossman from Johnson City shares a potluck radio on the road segment on a taste treat from he and his wife's latest anniversary trip to New York City. It's a historic beverage experience that he tells us about called Egg Cream. I have a big list of food and farming events happening in our area brought to us by area not-for-profit organizations that are food and farming in focus. Thank you so much for your good company here today at the Tennessee Farm Table. I really appreciate you tuning in. Now let's get started. My first guests are Sue Connolly and Peggy Smith, former students from the 1970s of the University of Tennessee and founders of the incredibly successful Cowgirl Creamery, self-described as artisan cheesemakers and mongers in the Golden State of California. Peg and Sue have sold their business and have created an endowment in order to give back to the culinary and hospitality programs of the University of Tennessee. And this endowment is the thing that is fueling the annual Great Smoky Mountain Food Days event. Peg and Sue have never forgotten Knoxville, and they're so encouraged by all of the great culinary things that are happening in our area. That's why they wanted to give back to this area. So let's hear from Peg and Sue right now and hear a little bit more about their work in the Great Smoky Mountains Food Day event. 
we both worked here in Knoxville in restaurants mm-hmm. during our school years to have money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it turned out, you know, we were just doing that for money, but it turned out we really loved the restaurant world and the camaraderie and the teamwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, a lot about the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a kindred spirit type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we're trying to really connect the ag school and the hospitality yes. and tourism school. Mm-hmm. So, but I have to say, over these years that we've been reconnecting, maybe in the last seven years yeah. or so, things have really changed here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Market Square activity is unbelievable. Is the market's right? beautiful. The restaurants, the restaurants are fantastic. popping up, and there's energy that was yes. never here before. You know, we want to be part of that momentum that's already here. Yeah, just want to join. Let's talk about the Great Smoky Mountain Food Day event, mm-hmm. which is happening today. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all day long, yeah. and. And um, for people that want to go online or find out more, it's greatsmokymountainfooddays.com. Mm-hmm. And when I first met with the two people that are organizing it, Ann Fairhurst and Jeff Ross, mm-hmm. Ann said that you all wanted, now that you've made such a success, want to give back mm-hmm. and kind of help with these foodways of this area. So. Could you tell me why you want to do this kind of a festival? And Well, I'm just going to say that, you know, Peggy and I have been uh, contributing to the university through an internship program. And we did that for three years where we had an intern from the ag school and an intern from the hospitality school. And uh, they came and spent eight weeks with us during the summer and uh, worked all of the parts of our business because we have a very uh, complicated mm-hmm. business. <laughs> it's small, but it's complex. So we work the farmer's market. We have two retail stores. We have a wholesale distribution company, and we make cheese. So we move them around mm-hmm. to all of these parts Stations. so they could understand. And then being at the farmer's market and understanding the connection and the energy that comes from, you know, small growers working together. And uh, it was really a great program. So two a year for three years equals six people that we influenced or taught how we do things. And we thought maybe it'd be better to spend that money doing something in Knoxville because we just feel like people shouldn't drive past Knoxville. They should come and really understand how wonderful the culture and the food and the music is so mm-hmm. that's kind of what and, led us to this and we talked to Anne a lot about it you know Anne's been fantastic you know she's a really great person and since we're so deeply involved in uh, restaurant retail hospitality you know living in Point Reyes or having a place in Point Reyes which is in a national seashore area that school really fit in with what we do and um, and plus she's fantastic, <laughs> she's a great person. But we thought, how can we work together with the ags, you know, because we work so closely with agriculture and also hospitality. We really wanted to bl- blend those two schools probably more so than they are now. Mm-hmm. And they can really help each other because there's such a bounty there that 
you know, people just get so micro. And mm-hmm. But I think, it, you know, the uh, and this was true for us, too, that we were thinking that it was too big and too complicated until we went to Europe and saw that very small special specialty businesses that were connected to their place did very well. And the people in that place celebrate that Their local region. food. Yeah. And you can see that here. You know, you mentioned Benton's bacon. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants that bacon. And it's <laughs> yeah. their bacon because it's from their place. Right. So mm-hmm. this is the feeling that we saw in Europe. We thought we have that here. Mm-hmm. It, there's people aren't paying attention or they're not mm-hmm. uh, understanding how to get that food. Or it's just, and maybe it's not applauded enough. Gosh, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Speaking about people having this love for the food and sort of a feeling of, I'm proud of this food that's been made here, it's just really like how we feel in this area about our mountains. We mm-hmm. all feel like we have a kinship and an ownership to them. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it seems to me when I talk to people about this kind of thing and try to get them to let me record their stories, they're like, well, I've just been canning these beans forever. What's so special about that? Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff we just see all the time, we kind of just don't see it as so precious. precious. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you're doing this. As- and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. We've been visiting with Sue Conley and Peggy Smith, founders of Cowgirl Creamery and former University of Tennessee Knoxville students. They are the patrons behind the annual Great Smoky Mountain Food Days events, their way of giving back. And that event is taking place September 29th. After a break from our sponsor, we'll be joined with keynote speaker for September 29th's Great Smoky Mountain Food Day event, James Beard award-winning food writer Ronnie Lundy. She's going to read from her book, Vittles. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation and hosting the Century Harvest Fall Festival on the farm October 6th from 12 until 6 with the theme, Food Insecurity is Scary. With sustainably sourced and produced foods, kids' play area, pumpkin carving, a spooky scavenger hunt, hayride space painting, local live music, and for adults, the Oktoberfest beer garden, all supporting the mission of the Century Harvest Farms Foundation from the Ground Up program. Details at centuryharvest.com My second guest is James Beard award-winning food writer Ronnie Lundy. She's the keynote speaker of this second annual Great Smoky Mountain Food Days event, and that is happening September 29th in Knoxville, Tennessee. A few months before her James Beard Foundation award-winning book, Vittles, was released, I traveled to her home and recorded her reading from several of her books, including the James Beard award-winning book entitled Vittles. 
So right now, she'll share a chapter from Vittles entitled, Messing with Greens. So this is from Vittles, um, An Appalachian Journey with Recipes. And this chapter is called, Messing with Greens. Winter in the mountains begins with the first bowl of soup beans, corn popped later to fuel the crisp early night with conversation. In good years, the fun of getting cozy seems to last until little Christmas, the end of the holidays on January 6th. Ah, but then the slow slide into cabin fever begins. It's not that winter doesn't have its pleasures in the mountains, it's just that it sticks around too long. That may be why mountain dwellers seem to have an absolute passion for wild spring greens. The more pungent, the better. That's why they start scouting the landscape in the first warm days for the telltale signs of ramps, most famously, but also for branch lettuce and then creases. It's why they look for early poke and pick its tiny tender leaves. And that love of greens extends as long as it can, right through the last of the fall mustard and kale in the garden. Each green has its own distinct flavor and texture, and certain greens are cooked one way, while others are best made another. And while there are plenty of methods for cooking these greens, they can largely be grouped into three families, lettuces for killing, salad, and pot liquor. This is just fantastic. Oh, yay. It's just so great. Lettuces for killing. Families take to the woods to gather up a mess, meaning enough to feed everybody, of greens and come home to fry up a skillet of bacon. The cooked bacon is crumbled to be added with chopped green onions on the finished dish, and the hot bacon grease is used to dress the crisp greens, also doused with cider vinegar, a dose of salt, and black pepper. Branch lettuce is one of the favorites for killing. It gets its name because it can be found along the edges of icy mountain springs or branches in the earliest spring. Not actually a lettuce, it's a variety of saxifraga with toothy fuzzy leaves that offer just a bit of resistance when you bite and a taste that is tart and cleansing. Of course, killed or kilt lettuce, so-called because the hot dressing wilts or kills the greens, can be made with any crisp garden salad green. Even in the city, I knew that spring was in the air when my mother announced that killed lettuce was for supper. She used the best iceberg lettuce she could find. These days, I gravitate toward mache and arugula mixed with young romaine. My mother would make a skillet of cornbread and that would be our whole meal, something primal and reviving in that big bowl of hot dress greens. I know I would eat some right now. I know. Salad. Salad isn't salad. A salad of greens in the South is made by cooking particular fresh greens fairly quickly in a skillet of hot bacon grease. In the mountains, we make salad with a variety of wild greens. The most famous of these is poke salad, of course. And well, if you have that album by Tony Joe White that spells it P-O-L-K-S-A-L-A-D, my guess is you shouldn't blame that Louisiana boy. That prissy spelling was likely fotched on by a record label on one of the coasts, bless its heart. Poke, P-O-K-E, is short for pokeweed, a wild and profuse plant with leaves that are edible only in the very early spring and only if cooked properly. It's a bother to prepare, but we bothered because the taste, 
similar to spinach, but brighter and tangier, is one a body begins to crave. Poke is said to have tonic and reviving qualities, and while I can't make any such health claims for it, I know I always feel pert after eating a mess. We harvested only leaves smaller than your hand, and no other potentially lethal part of the pokeweed was consumed. After rinsing them well, we boiled the poke greens in a big pot of water for three minutes uncovered and then thoroughly drained the water. We'd repeat the process. And some folks boiled and drained as many as four times. I rinsed the leaves after the second draining, then shook and patted them dry with a tea towel. The mess was then cooked in bacon grease in a skillet with chopped up green onion until everything was tender and then eaten with cornbread. Poke was not the only wild green to get the salad treatment, and that's salad, S-A-L-L-E-T. Doc, purslane, lamb's quarters, and in some parts of the mountains, tiny new fiddlehead ferns are favorites. When my parents lived in Detroit during World War II so my daddy could work in the factories, my mother gathered dandelion and other wild greens from the medium of a boulevard. She told me she couldn't find kale or mustard in the grocery but the tender greens cooked with bacon provided a taste of home. Creasy greens, known elsewhere as land creases, are a type of mustard that grows both wild and cultivated in the mountains. Similar in flavor to watercress, creases are both stronger in taste and firm in texture. So while some folks these days eat them snipped raw into a salad, the preferred way of dealing with them in Southern Appalachia was to cook them into salad. They shrink in the cooking considerably, so it takes a mighty big amount to feed a family, and that's why beaten eggs were often scrambled into the skillet. Sochan, or Sochani, is another wild spring green, particularly beloved by the Cherokee. Growing profusely along creeks and rivers, when it comes into maturity, this coneflower in the sunflower family will bear bright yellow daisy-like flowers but the edible leaves of the plant are gathered when young and tender, well before bloom time in the early spring. Sochan leaves should be rinsed well and then covered with water and simmered until tender before draining well. They can then be made into salad. The green is also good in stews and the Cherokee often added it to a pot of hominy. Once a pungent mountain secret, deliciously garlicky spring ramps now show up in restaurants all around the country and there is some worry that they are being badly harvested to meet this demand. Old timers knew that ramps should not be pulled from the ground, root and all. They should be harvested with a sharp knife, cutting the bulb a bit above the rootstock and leaving that root to spread and regenerate a new crop the next spring. Many folks cooked the chopped up ramp leaves and bulbs as described for salad, but generally they were combined with potatoes and or eggs and country ham. Pot liquor. Greens are not only a spring tonic in the mountains, they provide vitamins, minerals, and flavor in the early part of the winter. Now, collards thrive in the sandy soils and hotter climate of the deep and coastal south, but they are very rarely among the greens preferred for growing and eating in the southern Appalachians. The Scots-Irish brought kale to the region, and that sturdy leaf was ballast in the pot. Mustard and turnip are also prized, sometimes added to the kettle for bite to kale's more mineral tang, or cooked and eaten alone. Hardy characters, all three, can sometimes be found in the long harvested garden plot poking up through the snow. This sturdiness calls for a long, slow braise with a chunk of porch for pork. 
This sturdiness calls for a long, slow braise with a chunk of pork for seasoning. Like soup beans, a bowl of greens might serve as the center of a wintertime supper. Beloved sometimes even more than the tender greens, the rich broth called pot liquor marries the essence of the greens with the umami of the pork and is best consumed sopped up with absorbent cornbread. Now, schisms exist over whether the best method to do that is to dunk a wedge or crumble it in. I, however, am ecumenical and appreciate both. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and you've just heard James Beard award-winning food writer Ronnie Lundy reading from her James Beard award-winning book, Vittles, which is spelled V-I-C-T-U-A-L-S. And as always, links to all of my guests and mentioned events always on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com, under that link that says, listen to the show. Next up is a big list of farm food and fun events in our region, followed by Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio on the Road. Now here is a big list of events happening in our region, and as always, I've got all of the links and information always at TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says Listen to the Show. The annual Fall Heritage Festival and Old Timers Day takes place Saturday, September 29th in Townsend, Tennessee at the Townsend Visitor Center from the hours of 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. with family-friendly activities, old-time music, demonstrations, and food. The 39th Annual Greek Fest continues Saturday and Sunday, September 29th and 30th at St. George Greek Orthodox Church located on Kingston Pike and Bearden area of Knoxville. Featuring authentic Greek food, Greek pastries, live music, traditional Greek dancing, shopping, and more. Hours of the event Saturday are 11 a.m. until 10 p.m. and Sunday 11 a.m. until 8 p.m. There's no parking at the church, but there are numerous parking areas located near the church, so be sure to check the link on my website for information on parking. East Tennessee's own WDVX, in collaboration with Clayton Center for the Arts, presents the Smoky Mountain Jamboree Saturday, September 29th from 2 until 4 p.m. at the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee, with your host, Alex Leach, and special guests, Ralph Stanley II and the Clinch Mountain Boys, and Roscoe Morgan, along with a special Tennessee farm table with myself, Amy Campbell, recognizing the winners of the annual Blue Ribbon Country Fair Divisions in poultry, vegetables, canned goods, baked goods, honey, woodworking, horticulture, floral design, photography, and student art competitions with cash prizes awarded in all divisions. And as an added bonus, there's going to be a good old-fashioned hog calling and rooster crowing. This is a live 90-minute variety show supported by Blunt Partnership and the East Tennessee Foundation. There is no admission price and everyone is invited. The annual UT Gardens Fall Plant Sale takes place Saturday, September 29th from 9 until 2 at UT Gardens on Nayland Drive in Knoxville. Garden staff and master gardeners will be on hand to help customers with plant suggestions and general gardening advice. 
The annual National Muscadine Festival continues Saturday, September 29th at Solly Notch Vineyard, located in Monroe County, Tennessee, with pick-your-own muscadines, muscadine juice, wine, jams, jellies, kids' activities, arts and crafts vendors, live music, and food. And the annual Sustainable Agriculture Seed Swap takes place October 6th. This is the famous Bill Best Seed Swap, usually held in Berea, Kentucky. And this year it's hosted in Cookville at Tennessee Tech University because the Sustainable Mountain Agriculture Center has become part of that university. The Seed Swap is located on Oakley Farm, which is about 18 miles north of Cookville, Tennessee. UT Ag Research hosts the 20th Annual Fall Folklore Jamboree at the University of Tennessee Ag Research and Education Center in Milan, Tennessee. With more than 100 folk artists, woodworkers, skilled craftspeople, blacksmithing, broom making, quilting, goat milking, and traditional musicians that gather to recreate rural Tennessee from years gone by. At the Jamboree, visitors will explore the history culture, and art and traditions of the area. They're also going to have mule plowing. This event takes place Saturday, October 20th. The third annual Harvest Fest 2018, a benefit dinner for the special growers, takes place Sunday, October 21st from 6 o'clock until 10 p.m. at RT Lodge in Maryville. All proceeds will go towards supporting the 2018 through 2019 work-study program with four local area high schools. This year's event includes a Southern-style dinner, raffle and auction, short film, and live music. And Trevor Stockton is the chef of this event. The third annual seed swap at Wilson Fine Gardens, Knoxville, takes place October 27th, and they ask for you to bring plenty of seed, envelopes, and something to write on your envelopes with. And again, all this stuff is written in a big old list, TennesseeFarmTable.com, under that link that says, Listen to the Show. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. We travel to the Lexington Candy Shop, a diner that has operated since 1925 on the Upper East Side of Manhattan to learn more about a drink called an egg cream from co-owner John Phyllis. People used to put a raw egg in it and beat it up and it would give it this foam. Now, when my ancestors, my ethnic group, the Greeks, came into the business, they realized they can make just as good a drink and have that foam without putting an egg in it. But the name stuck, so it's called an egg cream. The egg cream likely originated among Eastern European Jews in New York City. That leads to another theory about the name. That egg is a corruption of the German word echt, also found in Yiddish meaning true or real, as in real cream. Uh, a lot of places use milk. We use half and half. It gives it a richer, creamier taste and syrup. And then we add seltzer. We add a couple of ounces of cream, a couple of ounces of syrup, and then the rest is seltzer. The most common flavor is chocolate. But if you don't like chocolate, you can get any flavor you want. So to get a nice uh, chocolatey head, it depends on how you put in the cream and the seltzer. 
And here you have a nice dark chocolatey drink with a white foamy head. It's really picture worthy. It's really a nice drink. And we have people that come from all over the city. You can find these around, but we're known for our egg creams. Uh, we're famous for them. The other way I can describe it to people who have never had it, most people have had an ice cream soda. It's basically an ice cream soda without the ice cream. For Potluck Radio in New York City, I'm Fred Sausman. This is Chef Shelley Cooper of Terra May and Dancing Bear Appalachian Bistro, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.